You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 310. I'm Jimmy Kemsky out here in Phoenix, Arizona. I've gotten a, a lot of time in my hotel room this week and also an uh, Eagles media availability and have not seen the city otherwise. Uh, but I'm out here covering the Super Bowl. And of course, back in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is the great Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. What's going on, buddy? Jimmy. As many of you probably know, Super Bowl ticket prices have gone down significantly in the past few days. On Ticket IQ, the cheapest tickets are currently starting around 4K, and those are no fee tickets, meaning the price you see is the price you pay. It's probably not going to get much cheaper. So if you haven't bought it by now, now is the buying window if you're still looking for tickets to the big game. Plus, as I've been saying, you can get $300 off all orders of at least 5k 5k plus on ticket iq with promo code sb300 and 600 dollars off all orders 10k plus with code sb600 plus you can dm them on twitter at ticket underscore iq for exclusive codes that fit your specific order um they have no fees so if you still want to go to phoenix and you haven't yet, and you're waiting until the last minute, now is the time to make that happen. Check out tickets at TicketIQ.com, and I've also linked their uh, everything that you need in the episode description, so go check them out. Also, we, we've been tweeting some of their offers on the at Bleeding Green Twitter account, so that's that. Uh, right to sell on Craft Jerky, right to sell.com, discount code BGN15, and Jimmy, the Super Bowl is nigh. Let's just get into it, baby. Let's get into these matchups. Yeah, what do you want to do? Eagles offense first or Eagles defense first? We will do, I think, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense against that Chiefs defense. Okay. I think – so stick with me for a second here. Don't turn off – don't stop Don't stop listening to the po- – yeah, don't stop <laughs> listening to the podcast. Yeah, that's but right. Some of this is funny, the matchup thing, because I just think it, so much of it just goes out the window. We spent two weeks of this, and then it's just going to be this close game. <laughs> Certainly in the NFC Championship game, that's exactly what happened. Well, right. That's, well, that's football. And But I just think yeah. – I genuinely believe it's going to be such a close game that is decided by like something that might not even be under control. Like let's mm-hmm. say not quite this, but something like the Tory Smith knee catch. Like it could just be something like that. And that's the game. And then boom. And then literally anything we talked about just doesn't matter at all. But again, going into it. I spent it, so much time watching Brock Purdy before the NFC championship game. And then for nothing. Boom, yeah. for, for first drive, he's knocked out of the game. So total waste of time. But in case, I but, guess we're, but we're doing it in n- case. Not a waste of time here. Listen listen to the rest of the yeah, podcast. Keep listening. <laughs> and in case it does matter, or let's be real, you know, you're, you're trying to pass the time until Sunday evening anyway. Uh, I think the biggest thing is this Eagles rushing attack going up against the Chiefs okay. defense. 
I mean, the Eagles have been great at running the ball, certainly all season long, but in the playoffs, especially, uh, they put up big numbers against the Giants. They had 268 as a 6.1 average and three rushing touchdowns on them. And then they put up 150, which doesn't seem like a ton, but that's against a top ranked 49ers defense that was allowing like what, like something like 70 per game. Like they, they doubled up their season average, mm-hmm. I know. And they also got into the end zone four times on the ground against that top ranked 49ers run defense. So I think that's going to be huge in this one. Um, I, we kind of talked about it on the over under podcast. I think Miles Sanders is going to get a big workload in this game mm-hmm. and not to say it's going to be like the 2021 Eagles offense where they're running that much, but I do expect the run game to be a big factor here. I think your Miles Sanders point in the last pod is, outstanding in fact i've uh said it a few times to other uh reporters out here and just to recap that what brandon said was um you know miles sanders is fresh i mean he, he was dealing with was it a knee injury toward yep. the toward the back of the season and then uh during the playoffs they got him out of the game mm-hmm. when, when and i mean they just buried the giants and then of course once the 49ers couldn't throw the football anymore <laughs> their offense you know played the game as such and they just ran the ball and tried to burn clock uh, and a lot of that was with was with Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott. They got Miles Sanders out of there in that game. So he's only played seventy, I think seventy nine snaps in their last three games against the Forty ers and then two games against the Giants. And then of course there's a week in between uh, the two Giants games, and there's a week in between the Forty ers game and the Super Bowl here. So he's well rested, and I'm with you. I think they are going to ride him in this game. Um, and of course, who knows if he'll even be back with the team next year. So, you know, I mean, not that you'd save a player uh, for, for, you know, subsequent seasons when you're in the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, certainly uh, I, I think that uh, Miles Sanders is kind of come into this game fresh and, and, and with fresh legs. And I think uh, as long as that run game is working, uh, they're, they're going to, they're going to hand them to it a lot, but I want to touch on the offensive line because mm-hmm. this is a completely homegrown uh, offensive line and that they are all drafted by the team. Uh, Jordan Mylotta seventh round, you know, 2018, Dickerson, second round last year, Kelsey, you know, sixth round, 2011, Isaac Sayamalo, third round, 2017, and, uh, oh, excuse me, 2016, and uh, Lane Johnson, of course, in the first round in uh, uh, 2013. When you look back at the Super Bowl the last time around, um, you know, Jeff Stoutland kind of called that like synchronized swimming in that they were so in sync and they knew exactly what each uh, of the other guys on the line were going to do. And the continuity that they have heading into this matchup really can't be overstated because when you look at what they were able to do against the Giants, they just bludgeoned them on the ground. And then even in the 49ers game, as you mentioned, you know, it was 158 yards and it was against a very good defense. And if you look at the yards per carry number numbers, they're, they're not good. It was like 3.5 or 3.6 or something like that. But they were very effective <laughs> running the ball in that game. They broke a few big runs uh, that, that, you know, in, in timely situations. And, um, of course, everyone in the stadium knew they were running it because that's what the game – script called for at that point and they're still able to burn clock and get that game over with quickly uh you know again when they knew the other team couldn't throw the ball so i think this offensive line is operating at an extraordinarily high level right now and what we might see on sunday is similar to what we maybe might be similar to what we saw in that Patriots super bowl when they broke off long runs and that offensive line again was just operating at an extremely high level miles sanders averaging 13 point two five touches per game touches in total uh since the new year when they played the saints oh is that at um, 13.5 is that what you said yeah he had it's a low yeah, number. He, 
he never had more than 12 in any game except the one game there against the Giants where he had 17. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. again, just to the point of him being fresh, I think this is a game where he's going to be more close to, like, 20. <laughs> like, like 20 yeah. I think they're going to ride him hard, and he's going to have that capability. I don't think it's that the Eagles need to necessarily um, – like it's weird. I want to get your thoughts on this. Like I don't. I don't think they. It's they're they're not the underdog. Like quite literally in this game in terms of point spread. Right. So I don't think they need to like shorten the game the whole time and keep Patrick Mahomes. I don't like fully uh, subscribe to that idea. But I think there are, are times where that's certainly useful. And also, I like, I don't even care. You can tell me the Chiefs are going to sell it and stop the run. Doesn't matter. I just think we've seen enough from this Eagles offensive line. To your point, what you were just talking about and the run game as a whole against top ranked defenses including the 49ers where it doesn't matter like you can have the best run defense almost ever maybe well maybe that's hyperbolic but like you can have a really really mm-hmm. good run defense and you can stop out the sell the run and i don't think you're stopping it you might be able to slow it down relatively but you're just not you can't take it away i just don't buy that you can totally take it away and you can just put the full onus on Jalen Hurts passing the ball that's not realistic to me what the eagles do of course is they come out throwing quite often and then they get a lead and then they just hammer the run in the second Mm -hmm. half. And I think what happens is when the passing game isn't working early in games and then like halftime rolls around and you're like, they've only run it four times (laughs) or something like that. You know what I mean? And you're like, you're like, why is that? Like they should be running the ball. Uh, But that's sort of like what they do. It's they, they come out throwing and then the, where their real effectiveness in the run game is, is in the second half. And, you know, the Eagles getting a lead in this game. And, you know, obviously this is not high-level analysis here. But, but getting a lead in this game is pretty important uh, mm-hmm. because you don't want to be coming from behind against, you know, a team with, with Patrick Mahomes. And it's a big advantage if you can have the lead on them because then you can start leaning on that run game, start bleeding clock, and hopefully you can get into the end zone a few times while you're doing that as well. Uh, but yeah, the, the second half is really where um, is where the run game matters more for this Eagles offense. So I am I kind of like there's part of me that disagrees with that. Like logically, okay. yes, if you're up by 21 to zero, let's say, or 17 zero on the Chiefs, that's great and awesome, right? In theory, I just I think I'm I'm still nervous because I think back. Oh, you to, want to keep scoring? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah you have to keep scoring, yeah. and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. back to Mahomes specifically when he had that playoff run, it was like against the Texans when Watson was still there and the Titans and he was down. <laughs> they kept getting the teams kept getting down right. big in those right, games right. and it just didn't matter because he would just lead them on these huge comebacks. I'm almost like more concerned if the Eagles are in that big spot because I think they could potentially get lured into a, like a false sense of security and Jimmy's looking around at something. I don't know what he's looking at. <laughs> I'm looking for a uh, tissue. Oh, okay. He's looking <laughs> for a tissue. Uh, I, I'm almost like, in my mind... And again, maybe I'm, I'm, this is illogical, but I'm, this is just genuinely a, a feel of mine is I almost think it would be better to kind of keep it not like dead even, but a little bit closer. So the Chiefs are almost not incentivized to just go all out with a <laughs> passing attack because anytime the Chiefs are kind of trying to be balanced and any, anytime the Chiefs are handing off the ball, that's kind of a win, right? <laughs> when yeah. you're, when Patrick Mahomes is not passing the football and the Chiefs are running it, that's almost a win. So I almost think like, is it almost disad- like again? Maybe this is galaxy brain thinking here, and I'm overthinking it. Like, is it almost not great to be up with a lead where the Chiefs are just incentivized to keep throwing it and throwing it and throwing it? It's a little galaxy brain, yeah, <laughs> a little touch of galaxy brain there. But I, I think your point is well taken. Like, um, they're at their they're at their most dangerous when you know they're th- and and Andy, of course, is you know prone to just abandoning the run and going pass, 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 pass. Even in games that they're that like they're not far behind in. Um, so we may see that regardless. Um, 
Another thing I wanted to touch on here is, uh, you know, the Eagles receivers, which, I mean, of course, they're going to have a matchup advantage against most secondaries uh, that they face in, in, you know, from week to week. And I think this week is no different. Uh, the Chiefs have one very good corner. And like one, I think Legereus Sneed is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Just his tackle, and we touched on him, I believe, it uh, on the last podcast. But his tackle numbers are crazy. He's up over 100 tackles. He had three forced fumbles. He had um, uh, three interceptions, I believe. And then thereafter, they have a couple rookies in um, uh, Trent McDuffie, who starts and then moves into the slot when they're in nickel. And uh, Jalen Watson, a seventh-round uh, rookie, who comes in and plays on the outside uh, in nickel. Thereafter... It's two more rookies <laughs> whose names are escaping me right now, but that's their depth. There's two more. They have two rookies starting, essentially, and then they have two rookies as depth. Legereus Sneed popped up on the injury report on Thursday with a knee injury. So he had gotten hurt uh, in the AFC Championship game uh, against the Bengals. He suffered a concussion. I think he only played like four or five snaps in that game, and then he was out for the rest of the game. Uh, but uh, he recovered from that. He cleared the concussion protocol. And then a knee injury pops up. So uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network said that he is expected to play, mm -hmm. should be fine. But we'll see. I think that's certainly worth monitoring uh, as we get closer to game day. Because, again, if, if he were to go down, I mean, he's not like one of their star players, of course. But he's probably one of their top five most important players, mm -hmm. given what they have behind him. At the very least, he's missed some preparation time. He missed all of last mm -hmm. week with the concussion, and then this week he was limited on their biggest, the Chiefs' biggest, most physical, like uh, arduous practice was on Thursday. Um, so, and he was limited in that for some reason. I guess maybe he got banged up in practice because of that knee. Whatever, maybe it's not too serious. But yeah, I mean, look, you know, that's that's like a, a lot of the injuries in this game. Like guys are going to play. It's not like because you, you're not saving it for anything. The question is how close are some of these guys to 100%? Like, you know, this receivers, the Chiefs receivers who've been on the injury report, like Jalen Hurts, like, um, you know, uh, Lane Johnson, you know, these guys who are mm -hmm. going to play, but it's a question of, you know, how much, how long can they last, all those kind of things. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, look, the pressure is here on Jalen Hurts. It is. I, I said it. This is that was one of my biggest takeaways from the 49ers game is that the margin for error is just not going to be there against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. He has to be better as a passer. I don't think it means he has to go out and throw for like 400 yards necessarily, because I still think he's going to get help from the run game, from the pass rush. All those things are still applicable. But this needs to be like a big A.J. Brown game. And there has to be vertical shots that they hit on. There just has to be. There's, you're just going to have to answer at some point and have those big plays going for you and you cannot leave plays on the field um the way you could against the giants and 49ers ultimately mm -hmm. so that's that's my biggest thing yeah if you have aj brown running wide open down the seam <laughs> like like they did or i guess down you know down the right sideline or whatever it was right side of the field uh wide open against the 49ers and you overthrow them like like hurts did in that game can't have that like you said you can't can't leave I, those plays on the field against the chiefs team I and i want to get in front of that because like <laughs> sorry to sorry to do my nick Foles bit but like everyone likes to talk about how when uh you know they played the saints in the the january 2014 uh chips first year the playoffs that mm -hmm. year like nick Foles left the field with the lead and he did but like to say he did enough to win that game, I think would be remiss because there was a big sack he took in that game that knocked them out of field goal range. Mm -hmm. And like 
like that's that's those are points that you could have had that you didn't get. So you can't just you can't just look at like like the final drive and in theory, like Hertz gives them a lead, but then Mahomes, you know, takes the lead at the end. You can't just be, well, mm-hmm. Hertz did everything he could. No, if there's a big missed touchdown that you could have had and you didn't have that, like that, that could have been the game right there. You have to, with Mahomes specifically, you have to do everything you possibly can to give you an edge. You cannot miss, um, you can't miss on plays like that. You have to go for it on, on for, you can't settle, you can't be kicking field goals in the red zone. You have to go balls to the wall, do everything you possibly can. Again, the situation I bring up with the the Bills, I think I've done before at the end of the game in the divisional round, uh, when everyone's like, oh, Josh Allen did everything he could. The Bills did everything they could. No, they didn't because they could have went for two and made it a four-point game instead of a three-point game. Now, obviously, if you don't get that, you risk losing in reg- regulation. Right. But like to me, the way I think about it is it's like a – it's like a bad guy. It's like Michael Myers. It's a bad guy in a movie approach to it. Like you have to do everything you possibly can to make sure that bad guy is actually dead. And you can't just like assume, oh, you he's turn not your back, back. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he, he's he, like, you see him, you see him move in the background. Like, uh oh, he's not dead yet. Right. Because you like shot him and he's like, that is wounded or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have to put this guy like in a meat grinder and then like lock his remains up in like a coffin and <laughs> put it at the bottom of the ocean. You have to do like, you have to go overkill. You have to do everything you possibly That's can. Right. You can't leave any stone unturned. You have to do like everything you possibly can. Love that analogy. Good work. <laughs> That's my approach when, um, Hopefully killing bugs is not too controversial, but like I'm not a big bug guy. So if there's a big creepy bug nearby, I mean I'm not going out of my way to kill bugs, but you know, if there's one, you know, there's like a big spider near me or something, I'm just I'm not Earmuffs, Kristen Roach approach realtors. I'm uh, sorry, I'm not down for that. Um, but <laughs> I'm not gonna be like it, it drives me nuts when some people uh will just like kinda dab at it and then they'll like look to see if it's there and then I'll like pop out. I'm like, What are you doing? Don't do that. Like if you're gonna <laughs> smash it you have to commit to like hold it there hard hold it there for a while and then like crumple it up and then like really apply pressure like just make sure it's fully done and dusted do not leave any chance that it could come back to haunt you (laughs) sorry to be violent here but uh that's my thinking on it (laughs) all right uh let's get to the eagles you know most um uh i don't want to say daunting challenge most important challenge in this game which is blocking chris jones Mm. um who, in my opinion, should have been Defensive Player of the Year. It went to uh, Nick Bosa, who was the beneficiary of a lot of garbage sacks. <laughs> That'll leave that for another day. Um, but yeah, Chris Jones, 15 and a half sacks on the season. Absolutely devastating uh, against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. You know, single-handedly put all kinds of pressure uh, on Joe Burrow in that game. What the Chiefs did in that game was they had their ends in wide nine alignments when they're in obvious passing situations. This is in wide nine alignments. And then they had, you know, their DTs in sort of the four eye, uh, kind of like just shading inside the tackle. And then that way they were able to get one-on-one matchups between uh, Chris Jones and either he lined up on either side. So he got, he got one-on-one matchups against both the left guard uh, and the right guard, tore them both apart, uh, both in the, uh, in, 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 uh, in his pass rush. And then also in the run game, he made some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Just a devastating player. He's awesome. Chiefs will move him to the outside sometimes as well. Uh, he beat the uh, Bengals' right tackle, I believe, uh, for a sack in that game. It was a big moment in that game. He got that sack against the right tackle. I don't think they're going to do that against the Eagles because why would you waste them against Lane Johnson, who yep. blocks anything and everything? Just don't waste your best player on him. 
Uh, and then on the other side, while I believe that Jordan Mailata is you know sometimes susceptible to speed rushers, he is a brick wall against you know sort of power rushers, and that certainly is what Chris Jones would would qualify as. So I think uh, Mailata can kind of handle that situation if they were to put Chris Jones out there. But yeah, this this challenge is going to be on the interior of the Eagles' uh, offensive line uh, between Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey. Isaac Sayamalo, of course, they have one of the best interior offensive lines in the NFL. My concern would be Dickerson because he suffered the uh, hyperextended elbow, and we don't know uh, the degree to which that is bothering him. He's going to have a brace uh, on in this game. Um, I, I would think that uh, the Chiefs will go out and try to test him early. That, that'll be the guy that they try to test with Chris Jones, see if they can get one-on-one matchups against Dickerson and uh, if he can, you know, win those or whatever. But, you know, obviously the Eagles are going to start their game plan by looking at Chris Jones and how do we stop him and then go from there. At the risk of eating my words and jinxing it, I'm not like super concerned about Chris Jones just because the mm-hmm. Eagles offensive line is not because he's a bad player. He's a good player. I just believe in the Eagles offensive line that much. And also I thought this was interesting from our good friend, Shil Kapadia, um, who answered my question, well, asked, addressed my question on the uh, mailbag podcast they did with Birds of Friend, but no one actually answered the question. I asked, the, <laughs> asked, and they didn't get to the answer. They just like talked about it, but didn't answer the question. I asked what kind of cheese I should eat during the game. Jimmy, do you have a recommendation? Oh. Okay. Well, that's a big uh, Ben Solak thing, right? He's the he's the cheese guy. Well, he was like, "Well, I'm not an, like an expert in cheeses. I don't care. It doesn't have to be like a fancy cheese. Just tell me to <laughs> just pick a cheese." I asked you a question. You didn't answer the question. I love a good, like white American, uh, like but sliced super thin. Mm. The thinner, the better, and I can just snack on American, like white American cheese that way. It's delicious. I think I'm not gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna have any cheese, but if I did, I might just go basic and get a cheddar. I just, you know, I can't. It's hard to go wrong with that for me. I like cheddar cheese. I like Uh, a cheddar on a burger. Sure, can't go wrong. Um, but getting back to my, oh, you didn't plug BGN radio, by the way, again, I know I, 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 I was going to address that in my, in my final thoughts. Okay. Well, we (laughs) we can get to that. But Um, in in fairness, I was just walking around the uh, media center and Bo, you know, flagged me down and asked me to come. So I didn't have time to think about it mm. beforehand before I went on and, an and, te- and coach myself into making sure I mentioned the podcast on another podcast. But I, I, I should probably do like 15 push-ups or something like that. That's right. Uh, um, yeah. It's not just for me. It's for you. I mean, you literally, it's a profitable <laughs> enterprise for you that you benefit from <laughs> if it's mentioned. Anyway, uh, getting back to Chris Jones, uh, Shield pointed this out in his uh, 25 Things to Know, which everyone should read on The Ringer earlier this week. But Javon Hargrave has more sacks and a higher pressure percentage than Chris Jones. And, you know, he also pointed out that, you know, Jones is obviously getting more attention on and he's not playing on this deep defensive line that Hargrave certainly mm-hmm. benefits from. But just to yep. kind of give you that comparison, like, you know, I, I just think I think they can get a plan for Chris Jones. And I'm sure he will. He might have a big moment. He's really good. But I'm not worried about him, like, destroying the game, I guess is my point. Bob Brookover had a, had a, a good idea for, for an article um, where he, if you recall, back in 2017, week two against yes. the Chiefs, 
Isaac Sayamalo got his ass handed to him. Yes. Uh, and that was, Isaac Sayamalo is a far, far better player now than he, he was benched. in 2017. He got benched in that game. Not in that game, but after that game. Mm-hmm. And Stefan Wisniewski took over, and they never looked back. He was their starter throughout the rest of the season. Well, and it was Chance Wormack slash Wisniewski, but yes. Yeah, but they – but. Wasn't that because Wiz was hurt, or did they? No. Oh, that's right. They had that weird platoon for a little yeah. while. That was weird when they did that. It's very yeah. weird. Um, but yes, Isaac got benched in that game, and you know who killed him in that game? Chris Jones. I remember when that. Chris yeah. Jones was sort of like an unknown. <laughs> like I think he only had two career sacks at the time, uh, and it was his second, you know, year in the in the league, uh, just like Isaac uh, at the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, Isaac just got just got. I mean, he's had two really bad games in his career. That one. And then there was a game against the Falcons, I believe, Great where he was, he was he got destroyed in that game too. But he's been a lot better player. Uh, Bob Brookover asked Isaac about that game. He's, he just brought up the, the he brought up that game, and Isaac said something like, "Yeah, what about it?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a rough outing for Isaac. I think uh, you know we I think he's past that at this point though. And uh, should should do a much better job on Chris Jones this time around. And actually, he faced him last year uh, when when the Chiefs came to Philly. What was that week? Week four. Four? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here for the offense, right? You're good? Nothing else? Uh, well, I guess we should just mention very quickly, I think uh, Dallas Goddard is, is a name that hasn't been really discussed much at all. And, you know, the Chiefs have decent linebackers in, in Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. Um, they've given up, I want to say it was either nine or ten touchdowns this season to tight ends so they haven't given up a lot of yards in the middle of the field but they have been uh you know kind of beaten by tight ends deep into the red zone so i think you know you can maybe look for dallas goddard in in that area and um because he's kind of been like an uh an afterthought <laughs> i wonder if like this is kind of like a breakout game okay. uh for dallas goddard because i mean it's not like nick bolton and and um uh willie, willie gay. gay it's not like they're it's not like they're Fred Warner and and Drake Greenlaw. Like th- these are much, uh, not much worse. But these 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 linebackers are not on that level. And maybe Goddard has a big day. And then of course you have to look at Steve Spagnuolo, uh, who is he will dial up a lot of blitzes if it's working. Uh, kind of, you know, got off of that a little bit uh, than more so than he has in the past in 2022 did not dial up as many blitzes, you know, really nearly as many blitzes as he has in, in the past. They play a lot more zone defense, but you never know. Like they could come out in this game and decide that they want to just go after Jalen hurts. Let's see what's, let's see what's up with, with your shoulder. Like, can, can you make, can, can you make plays in, in the face of pressure? So there's that. And then, you know, so the Eagles have to have a plan for, for, you know, how to handle that. Or if the Chiefs want to try to keep him in the pocket, like the uh, like the Giants and the 49ers did, and, and said, "Okay, we're not going to let you escape. We'll do kind of a mush rush, and uh, we're not going to let you we're not we're not going to let you get out of the pocket and and, and beat us by just standing in the pocket." Uh, so yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. To, I, I'm not going to you know make any guesses on what they're going to do because I really don't know, and I don't think anyone else does either. But it'll be interesting to, to it'll be interesting to see what they come out with on that on those first and second drives. Well, you know what might be good to help them beat the blitz is that. Trusty Dallas Goddard screen that sure. usually works so well for them might give might give them uh, some pause uh, in thinking about descending the house because all all of a sudden you just <laughs> you're sending Dallas Goddard free into uh, a secondary where he can rumble and get those yards after contact for sure. Um, I, I feel like we're going to see that play at least a couple times because it's been such a money play for them this year. It, it, it feel like it's, it's a very effective and mm-hmm. you know 
I, this is a simple point. I think you've made this in the past though, but like you use your best plays in the Super Bowl. Again, that sounds obvious, but like go with the horse. <laughs> right. Don't overthink it. Just and 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 throw things out. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some things that you probably haven't shown before that you're going to throw out there, but it doesn't need to be reinventing the wheel and doing you know the Philly special again or whatever, some kind of trick thing. It can just be uh, going with what works, and it could be doing what Doug Peterson did once upon a time with uh, was it the day of Jai screen that he called twice in a row. Back to back in that Falcons game, you know, maybe something like that. So, yeah, uh, good mention of Goddard by you, kind of maybe a little bit forgotten, uh, especially because he's just overshadowed by Kelsey, who's the better tight end, but both very good. Okay, yes. we'll take a break here, but not before I tell you very quickly about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You want to go to righteousfelon.com and get yourself some of the very same meat snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles are munching on out there in Arizona as they lead up to the big game here on Sunday. And it's fair to say, Jimmy, that if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, the players will have been fueled by righteous felon. That's right. It'll literally have been like in their bodies as they won the big <laughs> game. So if you want to be a Super Bowl champion in your life, then I think you need to go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order, the best possible meat snacks and non-meat snacks that are also available there. You can check it out. The website's free to check out. You can just look through, see if there's anything of interest. And as always, if that doesn't interest you somehow still, you can go to wildrangerpet.com and use BGN15 for 15% off high-quality dog treats. Jimmy. Back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on BGN Radio, where we're going to talk about how the Eagles are going to force Patrick Mahomes to throw four interceptions and totally shut him down. Okay, Jimmy, what's the plan? <laughs> yeah, uh, pray, I guess, for that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, we all know how good he is. <laughs> like, I don't think we need to get into his numbers or anything like that. He's over 40 touchdowns. Actually, threw 11 interceptions this year, and that's because they so heavily rely on, you know, putting the team on his back where they, they're asking him to, to, you know, make, make plays uh, throughout the game, every game. Um, so he, he will turn it over every now and again, but um, you know, over 5,000 yards passing this season. And what makes him so difficult is that he, the off schedule plays that he makes are just insane. Like you have something covered and then he gets out of the pocket and he's running around and then he, like a run to his right. And then he'll come all the way back to the left side of the field and throw like a pass that no other quarterback in the, in the league can make. And he completes them. And you're just like, come on, man. Like you have, you think you have a play bottled up and then he just makes that kind of play. And, and that's what makes him the best player, the best football player in the world right now. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the Eagles attack him. I think, um, you know, some, some, you don't want to, you know, rush him the same way you would uh, a Justin Fields, of course, where you're just making sure that he doesn't get out of the pocket and uh, you, you're very disciplined in your rush lanes. They'd certainly want to be rush, disciplined in their rush lanes. 
Um, but I think this is a game where, I mean, it's on the defensive line <laughs> to get pressure on him and, and hit him and get him to the ground on occasion. Uh, that's how the Buccaneers beat him in, uh, in, in the last Super Bowl. Of course, the Chiefs offensive line in that game looked nothing like the Chiefs offensive line now. In fact, what was their offensive line back then? I think I have it here. Like Mike Remmers in there, right? Mike Remmers was their left tackle. Um, they didn't have mm, Green Humphrey. They didn't have yeah, Orlando he, Brown. He wasn't even in the league yet, right? They, they yeah. didn't have Tooney. They didn't have Trey Smith. They, Andrew Wiley, I believe, is, is the only holdover from that offensive line, and he's their worst player. Uh, he's the worst offensive line starter uh, on this team. I don't have that in front of me. I guess I, I don't. But, I mean, they, they were and they were banged up, too. And the Buccaneers took advantage. So, um, and we saw what happened to Patrick Mahomes in that game. He actually made, if you go back and watch like the highlights of that game, he actually made some incredible plays and he just had, you know, the misfortune of like a couple guys had drops. Um, but like he played his ass off in that game, even though they didn't get into the end zone. They, they lost what I think it was 31 to nine. I don't see, I don't foresee that kind of score uh, in this game. I think it's going to be close. Um, but just what he can do off schedule and make plays that no other quarterback can, can make. You just kind of have to, as a defense, you have to play kind of, like, especially for the defensive backs and the linebackers. You got to play through the whistle and you know not assume that a play is over and dead. You got to keep covering until you are absolutely certain that, to use your analogy, before the bug is squished. <laughs> uh, I I don't even know what to say because it's just like it doesn't matter. He's good at everything. Like there's no like yes, this weakness. There's no weakness. I think maybe the one thing. And I said this before the AFC Championship game, why I might want to play Mahomes over Burrow is I just think that there could be a level of volatility there where Mahomes mm-hmm. tries to make something happen, and he can, and that's the the downside is he can make that big play happen, but maybe he overthinks it, and maybe he holds onto the ball for too long or something, and he gives the Eagles pass rush a time to get home and get to him and make a big play, and maybe he thinks um, that you know, someone can't come from behind him and like, and get him down. But Hassan Reddick is the kind of player who I think is such a unique rusher in terms of like his second effort, just the, because of how athletic he is. And he's not just, you know, like Brandon Graham. I've kind of used, I talked about this before where Brandon Graham, um, you know, is this more of this power rusher, but I think he's susceptible to kind of missing quarterbacks sometimes. Cause he's just more, mm-hmm. he's not like athletic enough to like move around in space where Hassan Reddick can kind of do that. And I think that kind of mm-hmm. gives the Eagles a unique, um, uh, advantage here, or not advantage, but a unique uh, thing going for them is that Reddick is so athletic, I think he can kind of um, continue to chase Mahomes down. Uh, if he's going to continue to extend plays, then, then Reddick is a guy who kind of have an answer for that. Change um, of direction. Change of direction. That's what I was looking for. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think the pass rush that's been so great has to come up big. And these guys who, and speaking of being fresh, they should be fresh. Because they haven't had to play a lot in the postseason. Yes. Not yeah. not like not even just because the unit is deep and they rotate those guys, but even within that, the snaps they've played defensively, they've mm-hmm. only played like I think like forty something in each game. Whereas if you look at by the Chiefs, for example, they had to play like sixty something. So um I, I just think the fact that they have these bodies who are fresh, like you just need just need maximum balls to the wall effort from these guys who are gonna be in there. And, you know, they have to deliver hits on him. And I think 
uh, <clears throat> not rooting for injury, but I think you the goal is to wear Mahomes down, like you know, beat up on him enough mm-hmm. to where it's late in the game and he's kind of maybe maybe that ankle kind of flares up again and he can still play well and he can still throw, but he can't really get too much out of the pocket and he's kind of confined to that and limited to that. And then maybe you're in a favorable game script at that point where they're passing a lot and you're allowing that pass rush to tee off and not have to worry about defending the run at some point anymore. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> There's really no good answer. I think it just comes down to uh, pass rush just trying to dominate as much as they can. And if there's a same thing, like I said about Hertz earlier in terms of you can't have any of these missed, these, these plays that you left on the field, these opportunity cost moments. If there's a tip ball that goes up in the air, like got to come down with that. If, if, you know, a ball bounces off a chief's receiver's hands, like have to have to find a way to get that in your possession Mm -hmm. and steal that. It's, it's not every play, but you have to get at least, at least one of those. I feel like you need one, you need like not necessarily the Brandon Graham strip sack again, literally, but you need to steal you need to you need you need a moment where you steal like a possession yeah. from the Chiefs. Yeah, agreed. Um, on your uh, defensive line point, where they're playing such a low number of snaps, I actually think the ex- the added week uh, in between the Super Bowl kind of did them a disservice because they didn't mm. need they didn't need the extra week. You know what True. I mean? Whereas the Chiefs, you know, actually could have used it a little bit more. And same thing for you know even offensively when we were talking earlier about Miles Sanders, he didn't need the extra week either. I don't think. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer for the Eagles on that one, but it is a big advantage that they haven't. They've been, they've barely had to play at all. I mean, how many snaps did they even have in the uh, NFC in the NFC Championship game? Like, was it forty something? Low forties. Crazy. So they barely had to play in that game. I think Josh Sweat had the highest number of snaps in that game, like in the high twenties or something like that. Uh, but yeah, they're coming in fresh and rested and ready to go. They they kind of fabricated like <laughs> not fabricated because there is something to the disrespect uh, that that they've gotten in terms of you know like uh, you know going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, they have seventy sacks this year, and only one guy makes the Pro Bowl among you know the the primary pass rushers on this defense. That's kind of nuts. It's just well, and, right. and, even, and, uh, and that finalist for deep defensive player of the year. Yeah, the one player that makes it, yeah, doesn't doesn't get, or he's not even, uh, you know, first team All Pro either. So like, you know, he's second team All Pro. He makes the Pro Bowl, and then everyone else is just like a Pro Bowl alternate. And they're they feel disrespected by that, and you know they they heard all week uh, leading up to the to the Forty ers game that the Forty ers had the best defense in the world, and blah 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 blah. And they kind of felt like you know what, we're pretty good too. Uh, we have a great pass. I mean, we're we're clearly the most dominant pass rush. Uh, in the NFL, we got a great secondary behind us. Why not? Why are we not being in that? In that? Uh, why are we not in that discussion for you know best defense on the field here today? So uh, they came out and they wrecked that game. That the Forty ers absolutely could not block them in any way. And you know the loser Forty ers have since complained that the game was sort of taken away from them. Well, guess what? The defensive line that you couldn't block took it away from you. Uh, and you know they, they certainly have the capability of doing that to the Chiefs as well. It's part of the game impact protecting the quarterback and getting after the other quarterback uh, to answer the snaps question, by the way, 43 snaps was the most snaps played by any Eagles defender in the NFC championship game. That was Epps. Okay. Uh, it was 93% yeah. of the snaps. The most, the defensive lineman with the most, like you said, was Josh Sweat. He was only at 29. Like that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so low relative to a normal game. Uh, and then again, in the giants game, they also didn't have to play a ton. So these guys should be fresh in theory. Um, I really like the matchup of these edge defenders specifically against the Chiefs uh, mm-hmm. tackles. That's, you know, been highlighted. Reddick versus Wiley is obviously the biggest yeah, it's obvious, match. Yeah. 
But Josh Sweat against uh, Orlando Brown, like Orlando Brown mm-hmm. is kind of like, I think, Mylotta in the sense that probably a guy who might hold up better, how big he is, uh, might hold up better against uh, power than he does sure. against athleticism because that is not something. Remember all the spider graphs of Orlando Brown and like his That's athletic right. testing was so <laughs> terrible. And obviously, yeah. he's been a good player. He's not a bad player, but. Um, Pro Bowler this year, yeah, and but he's a guy who matched up against someone like an athletic Josh Sweat. Like maybe that guy could give him a little bit more trouble than someone like say Brandon Graham. So, uh, yeah, you know I, I like that matchup a lot. I'm sure the Eagles. I mean the the Chiefs are going to have a game plan. They're going to they're going to throw screens at the Eagles to try to slow down that pass rush sure. and do different things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's such a good rush that I feel like you can only do so much with it because the, the Chiefs aren't just going to want to run the ball all day and if they do i think you sign up for that if you're the eagles because again anytime the ball is taken out of patrick mahomes hands that is a win for the eagles as long as the uh eagles aren't getting run over like the 49ers did to the the packers in the whatever that championship or that playoff game that you always like to bring up as long as it's not Mm -hmm. like egregiously allowing like 10 yards per carry and mahomes has to like throw the ball only eight times to win as long as it's not that kind of bad then i think you'll take that I think it's a big linebacker game uh, for the Eagles here because I mean, we haven't even mentioned Travis Kelsey yet, who is by far their best skill position player. It's not even close, in my opinion. Like he's when his when his career is over, he's going to be thought of as the best tight end in the, in the history of the NFL. Um, I think he's got like seven consecutive seasons of over a thousand yards, which is crazy for a tight end. This year, he's up over thirteen hundred, uh, twelve touchdowns. Just an awesome player. And Jonathan Gannon talked at length about um, not just what he is as a player in terms of being a great route runner, breaking tackles, having great hands. It's just for, he thought that he's a great player more because he's smart. Like he knows um, he, he's not, he, he used to be a quarterback before he got into the NFL and sort of plays that way uh, as a tight end, knowing what the quarterback is looking for. And then of course, having played so long with Mahomes, you know, those two guys are on the page, same page in the similar way that, you know, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski sort of, you know, spoke their own language uh, in, in, you know, their routes and, and, and the way that they, the way that they interacted uh, in, in terms that like they, they could go off script. If, um, you know, a defender is, is in the spot where they're going to run their route, you know, they know that Kelsey, the, the example like Jonathan Gannon gave, like if he's going to run a, a, a 10 yard in uh, and there's a guy, there's a defender where the 10 yard in is heading, he can just instead run a 10 yard sit. And Mahomes knows he's going to do that because they've played together so long. So that's the challenge that he presents uh, to the Eagles defense. And the linebackers have to be on their game. And it won't just be the linebackers that are covering him. Uh, I'm sure the safeties and cornerbacks will get involved uh, on Travis Kelsey as well. They're probably going to play a lot of zone in this game, I would imagine. Probably, well, they'll mix it up. Uh, but the other thing that that, I, that you brought up, which is, which is certainly a valid point, is a screen game. Like, if anyone who lived through the Andy Reid era in, in Philadelphia. When they, when they when their offenses were humming, it was when their screen game was working. And he's probably one of the best screen designers uh, in the history of the NFL. And I kind of go, I think there's two ways to look at it from the perspective of the Eagles' defensive line. So on the one hand, you kind of have to be mindful of the screens if you're you know a, a pass rusher. If you know that if all of a sudden, you know, oh, why did the guard just let me run into the backfield? Is it like, and you got to be, you know, just kind of be aware that, okay, well, this is probably a screen. Um, of course, when 
you know, the 49ers try to block Hassan Reddick with a tight end, that might be a tip off that something's coming. Like, like they're just going to throw the ball over his head to something and nope, <laughs> he just attacked the quarterback and completely changed the game. So there's, you know, sort of a philosophical choice that you have to make uh, from an Eagles defense perspective. You know, how, how much responsibility do you want to put uh, on the defensive line to, to worry about screens and how much do you just want to unleash them and let them get after Patrick Mahomes? And I think they can kind of do that to some degree because they, they're so good at getting pressure on quarterbacks without the, the need for blitzing. So they, they can get to the quarterback without blitzing. So it's a big linebacker game, in my opinion, uh, in terms of them disrupting the screen game, both to Travis Kelsey uh, and to the running backs. And when they do complete passes, short passes, those guys have to be on their game in terms of getting guys to the ground. Uh, so yeah, I think in this in, in this particular matchup, like we don't often talk about the linebackers in terms of the, you know the, their importance to you know any particular matchup, but in this game, I think they're very important. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think it's fair to say they're the weak point of the defense. But that's just part of that's relative because the secondary is really yes. good, and mm-hmm. the defensive line is so good that that the linebackers stand out. But I mean, TJ Edwards overall, I think is having a good year and has had Absolutely. certainly way more good games. Like I remember his one bad game, I think it was against the Cardinals. Really, like they took advantage of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kaiser White, I think, has been a bit up and down, but he just he's coming off a really good NFC Championship game. I thought he was really good. Sure. In that, I thought it was one of his better games. So, hey, I can't rule out you know that those guys rise to the occasion and they end up you know being uh, big in this game and making a difference. At the same time, I could see it go the other way. So that's kind of one that could I think go in one of two directions with Kelsey. And maybe this kind of goes against some things that Gannon might want to do in terms of being more static in a scheme. But I kind of think back to how the Eagles handled Gronk in the Super Bowl, and they certainly didn't shut him down. And the Eagles are not Mm going to shut down Travis Kelsey, or at least at the expense of maybe allowing someone else to go off. Um, But to me, in my mind, conceptually, it's a kitchen sink kind of approach. It's like, it's not just like, hey, you, TJ Edwards, or you, CJ, DJ, cover cover Travis Kelsey the whole game. Yeah. Like I feel like it should be like you kind of mentioned there a mix of different things, especially yes. if you're not having success with one thing, if something's working, sure. Keep writing it. But if you're not having success, then I, I, I feel like you might need to put Darius lay on him at some point, or like, you, might, you might need to d- get a little creative and throw something at it to stop. Mm-hmm. Just, if he's just crushing you, then you have to kind of get creative and adjust. Um, I, I would, that's just my mental approach going into the game. It's like, I think you need to be willing to do multiple things with, mm-hmm. Kelsey. All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up for all the things I wanted to touch on you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the receivers, I mean, you know, the secondary should be able to handle them. That doesn't mean they're going to totally shut them out because Mahomes is so good. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like if MVS and or Juju is killing you. And by the way, I I don't remember if I said this already, but Juju with his comments about how there's no good cheesesteak, the best cheesesteaks aren't in Philly. (laughs) Like it's just, it was not even, it's not even like, I, I guess I know he was doing a bit like he was trying to troll, but like yeah, it wasn't yeah, even yeah. funny. It wasn't even because like he was asked about like, where are they then? And he was like, I don't know, but not in Philly. Like that's such like a lame answer. Like you, yeah, if you're going to yeah, have yeah. He didn't know what he was talking routines about. bit planned, then like you can't just go. It was like he couldn't go beyond the one question, like the one thing he said. He, right. like, he didn't have a plan right. for that part. Like that's just the lame. That's, that is BLE. And Juju has had the case of that in the past. So uh, I felt more confident. Eagles had interest in him this past off season. That's right. Um, but they became not interested. The, the, they they felt that he was immature and well, they, be, they became not interested. I wonder him. why. I wonder why that's yeah. the case. 
So, yeah, uh, not a good vibe. I feel like the Chiefs have going for them. Maybe he'll be involved in a mistake that kind of goes in the Eagles' favor. Uh, all right. Take another break here, but not before we hear about Christian Roach of RoachRealtors.com and Roach Realtors. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you are looking to buy or sell your home, uh, call Chris, call or text Christian Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. We're getting you – know, the weather's starting to get pretty nice in mm-hmm. uh in the philadelphia area we're gonna be out, right. uh, up in the 60s next like so if they do win and like there's a parade if you look ahead to the week it's like 50s and 60s which is gonna be way warmer than it was oh, uh, the so last time around last time. <laughs> it was so brutal and uh anyway uh, when the weather starts getting nicer that's typically when uh, people start uh you know thinking about putting their house up for sale moving uh upgrading you know becoming more frugal or whatever whatever your situation is if uh you know you have any real estate needs at all again Kristen Roach Roach Realtors Brandon I heard uh you know through the grapevine nothing like official no no nothing set in stone here and obviously the Eagles would have to win but I believe Wednesday could be the day that the Super Bowl mm, parade I had heard be. Thursday okay interesting it was Thursday last time Yes, the, which was late typically because the Eagles. Um, no, sorry, most teams usually have their Super Bowl parades on Tuesday or Wednesday. I looked back at this mm-hmm. in the past because I wanted to like kind of figure out like when I could get home and everything from Minnesota and still be in time for the parade. Most teams do a Tuesday or Wednesday. The Eagles did Thursday last time, um, but the un- very unofficial like through the grapevine kind of thing heard is that Wednesday could be the day, but I could be wrong. And they if have you look at the weather, theaters. it says Wednesday, 59, uh, Thursday, yeah. uh, a little warmer, 60, 63, but a uh, chance of rain on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to do, th- to, to do Wednesday to avoid the rain if possible. So we'll see. But anyway, that's well, not, we nothing might set see. in stone. <laughs> yeah, well, we will see if there is one and if it is that yeah. day. But, um, but I guess either of our takeaways, maybe not Tuesday. If if we're both hearing, you know, uh, yeah. either Wednesday or Thursday, well, we'll see. Who knows? Could be invalid. Just a little potential. I can. I can. I'm. I'm very, very confident it is not going to be Tuesday. Okay. Well, there you go. Teams have done it, but okay. Yeah. We'll be back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio for our, our final segment. Wow. Of the of the Eagles 2022 season as they enter Super Bowl 57. Jimmy, it's time to make mm-hmm. our picks. But not before I tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> uh, we have an Eagles same game parlay, Jimmy, that I have decided. It's typically not. I don't I don't always have that ironed out before the podcast. So uh, I do this time. And you're going to be able to check that out on the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter feed on the day of the game at Bleeding Green on Instagram. Um, but uh, I will also outline it for you here in case you want to look ahead to that. It should be up on DraftKings Sportsbook if you want to actually, you know, make a bet on this. But here's my same game parlay, Jimmy. What do you think of this? Eagles 
minus one and a half. Mm-hmm. Eagles, at least three sacks, three plus sacks. And then A.J. Mm-hmm. Brown receiving yards, 70 plus. What's your what, what what's the uh, odds on that? It's plus six seventy five. So huh. you bet ten dollars, you would win. You would net out sixty seven dollars and fifty cents. I right? think all three of those things can happen. Certainly, the, yeah. the one that I'm not super confident in is the number of sacks because mm. Mahomes is sort of like a, a get rid of it at any cost kind of guy. Like he doesn't he doesn't take a lot of sacks, but. Like, you average. know how like you know Davis Webb was just throwing the ball into the dirt in that final yeah. regular season. He's yeah. not to that degree, but he does. He does not like. He does not like landing on the ground with the football. Is how I'll put it. Fair, but this team averages like what four point something sacks, so it's under their average. Like it's not even. Sure. They're, asking, they're not even asking right. That's and that's why because they don't they don't do. give up any sacks. Right. <laughs> so we'll see. But that's the same game parlay. You can bet on it if you want. If not, then you're dead to me. All right. Jimmy, why don't you go first? All right. Um, I mean, we all know what Patrick Mahomes is as a player, and I think it's fair to point out that he is, I mean, worlds better than anyone that they faced in 2022. And I'll just go through the list very quickly of the starting quarterbacks the Eagles have faced this year. Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, Taylor Heineke, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton, Davis Webb, Daniel Jones again, and finally, Brock Purdy slash Josh Johnson slash Christian McCaffrey. So, so uh, those are the quarterbacks that they faced, and some good players and like some good quarterbacks in there. No great ones. Aaron Rodgers, of course, you know, had a good. He, I guess the combination of him and Jordan Love were able to put thirty three points on the Eagles, uh, but nothing. That would be the closest I would say to to Patrick Mahomes. But even he had a very down year, injuries, et cetera. Um, not their fault, the Eagles, that they didn't face any quarterbacks. They don't play in the AFC. So they didn't face guys like Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, Allen. and even to a lesser degree, Justin Herbert, et cetera, et cetera. So they just had to play the teams they played. And for the for the most part, they dominated them. So it's kind of an unknown, <laughs> you know, how they're going to handle Patrick Mahomes. And we saw in 2021 really good quarterbacks just tear apart Jonathan Gannon's defense. And, I think, you know, Gannon is kind of like the good guy again <laughs> in Philadelphia after, you know, having putting together some really good game plans recently and uh, rolling down his window and say, we're going to effing gut these guys. Kind of, kind of, kind of a popular guy all of a sudden. But, uh, you know, the, the, my concern would be that we see something I don't think we're going to see what you know quarterbacks did like David Carr and Tom Brady and Mahomes himself and Dak Prescott did to them uh, in 2021. I think that's, we're not going to see anything like that, but it is the concern that they're going to give up stuff underneath and death by a thousand paper cuts and you got, they get into the end zone. So there's that. Eagles have a lot of things going for them in their favor. Chiefs have a quality offensive line. Eagles have a better pass rush. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, the 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 matchup between Hassan Reddick and Andrew Wiley has to absolutely terrify uh, them from a game planning perspective. How are we going to block that guy? And it's hard to double edge rushers like that. Are they going to chip? Are they like with a tight end? Are they going to chip with a running back? And then if they do that, how much less explosive does their offense become? Because now they're allocating an, an extra you know guy in the pattern to help out in, in pass protection. Uh, the duo of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, as we mentioned earlier, big matchup advantage potentially against a very inexperienced Chiefs 
uh, defensive backfield. And then, um, you know, the Chiefs sort of middle of the road uh, in terms of, you know, run defense, love uh, the the Eagles potential for, you know, dominating them on the ground. And then, you know, as you mentioned, Chris Jones, phenomenal player, but the Eagles have proven over and over and over again that, you know, they can stop guys like him. Like they, if, if, if there's one star defensive lineman, uh, on on the other side, they they always have a good plan on how to neutralize him. And then, of course, there's Jalen Hurts, who first three months of the season, MVP candidate, like not MVP, like probably MVP favorite. He was um, MVP favorite before he got hurt. Gets hurt, um, not the same guy when as he comes back. He's been progressively better in each game since, and he'll have another two weeks. Of course, I think that's the we mentioned the disadvantage of before of. You know, only having it be one week. I think the big advantage is that Jalen Hurts has an extra week to to for his shoulder to heal, and it'll be eight exactly eight weeks from the time that he injured his shoulder to the Super Bowl. So, um, if he can be somewhat closer to what he was the first three months of the season compared to what he was uh, post injury, then all the better chances for for the Eagles' offense to sort of hum and be. And, and by the way, like even though the Eagles' offense hasn't been basically playing at, at its usual elite level. Well, guess what? They've scored 69 points in two games in the playoffs. Nice uh, so far. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, even when they're not at the at their best, they can still put points on the board. So uh, I think this matchup is a lot reminiscent of the last time around where you had just the star, you know, like goat of the league quarterback, the, uh, the Hall of Fame level uh, head coach, going up against sort of the, the plucky upstarts uh, and, you know, the second year head coach and uh, the second year quarterback, of course, last time that guy got hurt this time, he's still around. Um, but ultimately the Eagles roster, like it was then the rest of the roster was just so much better than their opponent. And, uh, you know, give me the birds uh, and I'll take them minus five in my final score, 29 to 24. And you know how they do it. They do it with a late Dallas Scotter touchdown. All right. With uh, and we, let me go Shio Kapati on this. Let me let me name late Dallas Goddard touchdown with forty seven seconds left on the clock. All right. I come. Let me let me set up the vibe first. The vibe is always the most important thing. I I talked about this on the SB Nation NFL show, but I'll repeat myself here in case you know a lot of podcasts. No, not everyone gets to listen to every single one. I feel less confident in the Eagles winning the Super Bowl than I do in comparison to the Super Bowl 52, where I just had no doubt. Mm-hmm. However, I still feel confident that the Eagles are going to win. It's just a little bit less. And that's because I just think the game is going to be close. And I think that something could happen. Again, a, a, a weird bounce that just doesn't go in their favor and they lose. And for me, it would be so easy to accept a, a loss in this game. If that's the case, if it was a close game and Mahomes just makes a play, whatever. It's just like, couldn't really do anything. You know, they had their, this is a really good team. They went up against another really good team. Best quarterback of all time. One of the best coaches of all time. You can't win every game. This is a really good, it doesn't take, it doesn't diminish anything this team was. It doesn't mean like, oh, they were actually fraught. No, it just means they also played a very good team and only one team can win the game. That being said, this Super Bowl means more to me than the first one. And maybe I'm unique in that. I feel like a lot of people, you know, the, super, the first Super Bowl is always going to be special. There's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I'm actually in Philly this time. 
I was in Minnesota. It was awesome to see it with my own eyes. I saw the confetti fall. And as I was like watching in disbelief, I couldn't believe it. I legitimately believed before I saw that happen that I was never going to see it in my lifetime. Because that's who the Eagles were. They were a team that never won. I couldn't just expect it was going to happen. I thought it was never going to happen. And it did. And obviously, I was really happy about that. But there was part of me that like missed being at uh, home and being able to go to broad. And I remember when the Phillies won the World Series in 2008, I was with my parents. And I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Being in the living room, we're all happy. So, like, that's, you can't simulate that. Like, that's, that's just thinking about it gives me chills. Like, that, that's a forever moment that I'll always have. Um, so, this time, the fact that I'm going to be in Philly this time, where in last time I was, I was, again, very fortunate, very blessed to be able to say I was able to go to the game and sit in the stands and watch it happen with my own eyes. But, like, at the end of the day, a couple of minutes after the confetti drops, I was just there alone by myself, like typing on my laptop. I was just by myself, which is, you know, I'm not, again, not complaining, but it's just, there was a moment of like, oh, wow. Like I'm just here, especially in hindsight more so. Like I'm just by myself here. Um, so I think it means more to me this time that I'll be around friends and family and loved ones. And literally I'm going to be watching from not even a full block away from Broad Street, Jimmy. I'm going to be at like uh, right around 13th and Pine where uh, watching at a friend's house, shout out to Jess uh, and Emma. Um, and way to dox them. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, yeah, that's a bad job by me. Um, their actual address is no, anyway, um, uh, I'll just be right there. And so to, to be able to have that experience, it's, it's a bucket list item for me. It's something that, mm-hmm. you know, I was looking back at this poem I wrote when I was, I don't know, like in sixth grade, middle school, whatever, intermediate school fifth grade, sixth grade. I don't know how young I was, probably like 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. And I wrote this poem that I didn't even know about until like a year ago. My mom showed it to me and just like about loving Philadelphia. And I remember being a kid and going on a field trip to the the Ben Franklin Art Museum. Or not Art Museum. That's not, that's not, I just conflated those. Uh, the Ben Franklin Museum, not the Ben Franklin yeah. Art Museum. Franklin Institute. Sorry. That's what I'm Franklin looking Institute. for. Yeah. And I remember like looking up at the skyline as a kid and being like, this feels like home to me. There's like something special about this place that I just, that's really resonates with me. And I don't know what that is, but the point is that uh, it would be extremely meaningful for me if they won this time and being here for that. So it's a, it's a weird thing to me. I feel like to reconcile between like, it would be so meaningful, but at the same time, like I can accept a loss logically because of just the quality of the other opponent. And it's like, I'm not going to be mad if the chiefs win, like in terms of Chiefs fans are fine. They're not like jerks. Like if the Patriots won, Super Bowl 52, that would upset me. I freaking hate Boston and all their (laughs) stupid fans who've been incredibly spoiled. Um, I think the the thing that I keep coming back to and what I believe in most is Jalen Hurts. This is a guy who's 16 and one as a starter with the Eagles this year. 16 and one. And the one game they lost, come on, like extremely fluky in terms of you know, they hit on a big passing play. It gets actually, it's an interception when it's, it could have been a, you know, AJ Brown reception. Right. They hit on another big passing play that somehow turns into a fumble because Qu- right. Watkins gets the ball knocked out from behind. Um, Dallas Goddard fumbles because he got face masked and somehow the refs missed that and it directly impacts <laughs> that call and sets yeah. up like a, a commander's touchdown. Um, Brandon Graham and, gets and called wipes for, like, points off the board for for the Eagles too because they were yeah like there was so there's so many yeah. things that had to go wrong in for that game yeah. like that is not something that I don't look at that game and be like wow this team is flawed no like it it took this very and it's possible that fluky things could happen in this game and they lose sure I'm not going to discount that but the point is that was their one loss with Jalen Hurts that was their only one this very like fluky stuff happened 
And a lot of the wins have been dominant. And I can't get on board with anyone who thinks the Eagles are like going to smoke the Chiefs because that just doesn't happen. It, it, in theory, it could because the Eagles have that ability. They're really good. But just if you're looking on what's likely, the Chiefs are never out of it with Mahomes. They just never are. Like They, they don't lose games in a, a big way. It's, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly rare. The Eagles team is special. And I believe in it largely, again, in part because of Jalen Hurts, who I just think is so driven. When Nick Sirianni talks about the Michael Jordan-esque will to win, I believe that. I think Hurts wants this. I think Hurts wants the Hurts wants this game more than anyone. He does. I feel extremely confident. He wants this win more than any single player out there does. And it's not just about wanting it and saying that mentally. It's about being about it. And I think his actions and the the way he carries himself has infected the team in a good way. I think that's resonated with this team, and they've kind of taken on his personality. And I saw that happen with Nick Foles in 2017. That team was so composed, and I think, and they believed in Foles. They really did, and they felt like they could win. And that's where I think this team is at. I don't think they're scared of their opponent. They respect their opponent. They know the Chiefs are great. They know Mahomes is great. They know that, but they have a really good quarterback too. And he might not be as good as Patrick Mahomes, but I think he's going to deliver them and deliver for them in a big way. I see this game being um, 24 to 28 late in the fourth quarter. With the Chiefs up by four points, Eagles need a touchdown to go ahead, win the game. Eagles get the ball with 4.02 left on the clock. <laughs> okay. They drive the length of the field, you know, mix a run, uh, short passes in here. They go in one of these right, long drives. The there is 18 seconds left on okay. the clock. And... The Eagles get to the one-yard line. They take their final timeout. It's first and goal. Or, I don't know. It's something. It's goal to go with three seconds left on the clock. Quarterback sneak. Game. Eagles win the Super okay. Bowl. Yeah, that'd be fitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they win. So they don't kick the extra point because they don't need to in that situation. Because, you know, they did They did away with that where, like, if yeah. you just win the game, you don't kick the extra uh-huh. point. Uh, they so 30 to 28. Them. The Minnesota Miracles. Yeah, so I have it 30 to 28. All right. Final thoughts? I'll go because you just you just talked a lot. Yeah. Uh I met Randall Cunningham hey. last night, which was uh it's, Randall Cunningham isn't really around the Eagles facilities like ever. <laughs> like I don't know if I've ever seen him there. Whereas you'll see like, you know, McNabb every once in a while. Um anyway, he's he's just not somebody I've I've seen much of. And uh I was in line getting uh, coffee and Skittles. And, uh, he was there and I just turned to him and I said, Hey, I, uh, used to, my bus used to drive past your house every day on my way to school. <laughs> like, I didn't even say, I didn't even say like, hi, Randall. Who I'm Jimmy. Are? I just went right <laughs> into my bus, went by your house all, every day on my way to school. And he said, uh, he said, Oh yeah, where was that? And I said, uh, Hartford road. And, uh, which was it, you know, Harvard Road goes from where I live in Marlton uh, to uh, Route 130. I went to school at Holy Cross. Um, so on the way, we'd pass by Randall Cunningham. He didn't live on Harvard. And, Har- and then he said the name of the actual street that he lived on, which was right off of Harvard Road. And I said, yeah, that's it. And uh, there was an awkward pause. And then I said, uh, you want some Skittles? And <laughs> <laughs> 
and he mumbled something. I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty. I'm almost certain he said no, thank you, but I wasn't totally sure. And then, and then I said, "Okay, nice to meet you. Bye." And that was my entire interaction. And I actually have another Randall Cunningham story, real quick. Back in the day, there was he had a show, the Randall Cunningham show. Um, they'd shoot it on it was Thursday or Friday night, and then it would run on Sunday morning at like nine or 10 or whatever in advance of the, it was just during the, the Eagles season in advance of, you know, the game they're going to play that, that Sunday. And uh, my, my buddy Kevin and his father had tickets to like every Randall Cunningham show shooting, which was at CBS three. And uh, you know, he'd take friends with him for, he'd like four tickets. So it'd be him and his dad and he'd take two friends with them like every week. And I was often the beneficiary of, of that and I'd get to go. So sometimes after they shot the show, you could maybe get, you could have like a football card sent back or like a football or something for him to sign. And then, you know, maybe like it would get signed, you know, and maybe it wouldn't, but you know, it would get back. So his co-host was like, you know how like the player isn't gonna, you know, go take the things in and out of break and whatever you need, like the, like a Derek Gunn kind of guy. And that guy for his show was a guy named Lou Tilly. So Lou Tilly's mom, after one show, brought our football cards back for Randall to sign, which he did. And they, they brought him back. And I get my card and I look at it. And <laughs> Randall Cunningham had signed it. But so had Lou Tilly. <laughs> Lou Tilly also signed my card, thus ruining <laughs> – And like Randall Cunningham signed it, Randall Cunningham, 12. And then uh-huh. Lou Tilly signed it, Lou Tilly – three because he worked for cbs three and i looked at the card and i was pissed and <laughs> and you know like 11 year old me or whatever i was at the time i'm like lou tilly signed it <laughs> right in front of lou tilly's mom <laughs> and uh my buddy kevin's dad told that story for like the next 20 years uh, wow. so yeah good times and by the way at the Ronald cunningham show too uh gary cobb was on that show wow. as well so he Gary, there was a segment that they have where uh, Gary Cobb would sit in the audience and he would take a question from somebody in the audience and then Randall would answer the question. Um, there was one time Gary Cobb sat in the seat right in front of me like to ask his question to a fan. I didn't get to ask the question, but I was sitting right behind him. So every morning, on every Sunday morning, like when I was on that show, I tape it like on my VCR or whatever. <laughs> and there was one time where I was in the background of, you know, on TV, which was a big deal for me when I was 11. And I'm just behind Gary Cobb for like three minutes, which feels like an eternity when you're on TV, you know, and you're 11 years old. And uh, I've been looking for that tape mm. for like the last 10 years. Cause I'd love to like find it and put it on Twitter. And it's me, Gary Cobb, <laughs> me and Gary Cobb 30 years ago at the Randall Cunningham wow. show. But uh, unfortunately, I've never been able to find that. My final thought is that now is not the time, as Dylan Hurt said, to reflect. So, you know, not going to thank everyone for listening because we have one more. We have one more. One more. That's right. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of podcasts. We're not going to stop. As Jalen Hurts would say, season's not over. Season's not over. I, we, we can get into that once, uh, maybe in the Super Bowl recap podcast. But um, I'm just looking forward to Sunday being here, man. I mean, we're, we're thankfully we're at Friday. There's nothing left in terms of availability. It's just, you got to get through today. And then the Eagles will put out their final uh, injury report on Friday. 
then we'll see if they activate Aaron Sipas or make any other practice squad moves with Britton Covey popped up on the injury report as limited. Maybe Mm -hmm. in theory, they want to elevate Greg Ward and just have him, you know, available in case like they need a backup punt returner, any kind of minutia before the game. And then six, was it six 30? Is it six? One of those. I think it's, I think it's six. Don't even know when the Super Bowl starts. What a bad job by me. Anyway, on <laughs> Sunday <don't> <laughs> evening. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just, you know, I'll figure it You're out. You're going to be watching all day. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the fans don't need to know. Like, you know they, don't need, they, they, they know they're going to be in front of their TV all day. So it doesn't matter. It'll be here. And then just it's, it's what, you know, it's what this whole season has been building to. I mean, quite literally, because that's the point of the season. But it's just mm-hmm. this, you know, this Eagles team that we thought all the way back in training camp looked pretty good on paper and was going to be, you know, had a chance to make a run sure enough did and is now here. And I I think it's loser to talk in theory in general, to be like, even if they lose still proud, but there is something to that. And I think I, I said that going into the playoffs, I said, mm-hmm. what I said during the bye week, the Eagles playoff bye week, I said, don't, don't like, don't um take it for granted, especially with how the season ended, the regular season ended in this kind of like they limped and not like limped into the playoffs, like, you know, I don't know, the Arizona Cardinals did last year, but, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't play their best football down the stretch and people were a little, I think, uh, antsy. Um, like, don't, and I said at the time, don't take it for granted that just even regardless of what happens in the playoffs, and obviously that matters, but, like, just take a moment to appreciate how great this team is because it might be one of the very best Eagles teams that you ever watch in your entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing now. I want to say that, set it up before the Super Bowl, so it isn't actually loser stuff. So I'm saying it beforehand. I'm getting out in front of it. And I'm not saying it like after the fact. is like a cope thing. I'm saying it beforehand. Like, take a moment before Sunday kicks off and be like, wow, this is a really Eagles special team, uh, a special Eagles team that I got to watch. And they made it here. And that's really cool. And I should take a moment to appreciate that. And take even more moments to appreciate that when they actually do beat the Chiefs and win the big game. And it'll be a party on Broad Street and it'll be just an awesome offseason once again. That's I mean, it's just a great time in the offseason mm-hmm. where you just get to dunk on everyone and be like, hey, do you want the Super Bowl? Yeah. I will probably do another article like I did after the Eagles won the Super Bowl in uh, twenty. Uh, in February, uh, the Super Bowl 52, where I did uh, an article titled one team that won the Super Bowl this year and 31 teams that didn't. So I just, <laughs> you know, something like it's, but that's the kind of stuff you get to do. Uh, those are the bragging rights you get when you're on that side. So looking forward to all that and trying to manifest it. I feel like the vibes are good. A lot of good vibes going on um, with many different things. So let's see it capped off with a win. Why not? Why not? Win the whole effing thing, right? That's right. Major League. <laughs> All right. And Sirianni said that in the championship game, after the championship game, I believe. So this has been BGN Radio 310. I've been Brandon Lee Gowton. That's been Jimmy Kemsky. You can follow our social media stuff in the show notes, the description. Uh, we have those handles there. You can check out righttosellin.com, right to selling craft turkey, 15% off by using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. You can check out Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house or looking for advice or uh, what's a, a, an evaluation, an assessment. Yeah, home yeah. comps. You know, can, yeah. can, She can give, kind of give you an idea of what you could get for your home if you put it up for sale. And what's the phone number for that? 856-906-9295. We will be back at some point after the Super Bowl. Goodbye, everybody.
A-P-G-N. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.